You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. It's one thing. It's NHL playoffs, baby. Greg Wyshynski, the puck daddy, joins us now on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Greg, great to have you on with us. Let's kick it off with the Rangers and the Devils. I said I think the Rangers are going to sweep. Sure enough, I was way wrong. Uh, The Devils win yesterday, last night, 2-1 in overtime. And so now this series is sitting at 2-1. What say you, my friend? Well, you know, the Devils did what they needed to do last night, which is to tighten up defensively, uh, reduce their mistakes with the puck. I thought they had a lot of puck support last night for uh, their forwards and defense in front of rookie goalie uh, Akira Schmid. And again, the thing about Schmidt last night was that he did what they were hoping their goalie Vitek Vanacek would do, which is just try, give them a chance to win the game. And I don't think Vanacek did that very much in the first two games. It's not to say that's all his fault, but Schmidt was exactly what they needed last night, and he's what he's what he's, what he's been all season long for them, which is a steadying presence. Um, that said, they also kept making horrible mistakes. I wish I loved anything in life as much as the Devils love taking penalties in the offensive zone. Uh, the Rangers had five cracks in the power play last night. They didn't, they didn't convert for the first time in the series. They had scored two goals on the power play in each of the first two games, both wins. That might have been the difference last night. But the Devils get a little bit of life, but more importantly, they need a, a little bit of confidence after being absolutely embarrassed in the first two games of the series. Yeah, it's, uh, the Rangers definitely have stepped up defensively um, and is uh, was was pretty stifling uh, in New Jersey the first two games and somewhat this game as well. They needed overtime, of course, to win. Uh, the numbers in this series, if you think the Devils are going to win it, it's plus 220. If you think the Rangers are going to win the series, it's minus 280. Um, who, who do you like to finish out this series, Greg? I the Rangers are still in the driver's seat. I mean, you know, the Devils had a nice moment last night, but ultimately it remains a team that's been there versus a team that hasn't. You know, when you when you lose the first two games of a series, yeah, you're going to play with some desperation, but you're also going to play knowing that maybe the, the pressure is off a little bit because you're being counted out. So I thought the Devils played like it last night. I still think the Rangers are, are very much in the driver's seat. And, and again, like I said, if, if they convert even once, on those five power play opportunities last night. We're probably talking about a different situation right now. How crazy is this that every single series is sitting at two and one? Has that, has that ever happened before in, in the NHL (laughs) postseason? Every series is sitting at two and one, Greg. Well, I'd have to go check with our friends at ESPN stats and info uh, to see if it has, but but again, it just shows you something that's inherent about the national hockey league right now which is that the parity is, is real. And, like, the, the margin between the 16th best team and the first best team in this league is not that huge uh, the, to the point where the Florida Panthers obviously won a game in Boston against the best regular season team we've ever seen in the Bruins. So not, not shocked to see the, the, the series be uh, this close at this point. Um, but there are definitely certain teams that I think are in a better position right now in their series than others. All right, well, let's take a look at, uh, we've got four games on the slate for today. The most important here in our own backyard, obviously, is the Hurricanes going up against the Islanders. 
the Hurricanes, a much different team on the road than they are at home. Again, the series is all tied up, not tied up. The this series is 2-1 uh, in favor of Carolina. Uh, the Islanders here on the money line, minus 125. The over-unders at five. All games yesterday on yesterday's slate went over. A lot, a lot of goals were scored last night. Do you see that carrying out to today as well? Your thoughts on on what would you play in this Islanders-Canes game? I jump on the over five. I know, I know it's, it's said mm-hmm. that because they feel like the last two games are kind of an anomaly. Uh, both of those games going over, and again, anytime you get an over in a, in a, in a Hurricanes Islanders series, it's a reason to celebrate because uh, it's not going to happen very often. Um, look, I, I, I think that this series uh, is going to be is going to remain a, a tight one, a tightly played one. Um, but I do think that the offense that we've seen, especially when the game gets a little bit silly late, should tell you that it might go over again. Like you said, the, the Hurricanes are a different team on the road. Uh, in particular, their goalie, Auntie Rogers, numbers on the road versus at home are, are pretty distinct. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one today. I think the Islanders found some new life, uh, you know, obviously in game, in game three, setting a new NHL record for the fastest four goals by, by a team in the playoffs uh, at the end of that game. Um, so they've got a little bit of momentum, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing go back to Raleigh tie 2 too. Yeah, what, like two minutes in, in some odd seconds, something like that. It's uh, was was pretty ridiculous. Uh, you could wager that the Islanders are going to win the series at plus 250. Would you throw any coin on that or no? No. I, I, so there's a, the one wrinkle here, because I am, I am pretty confident that in this series with the games pretty tight, I mean, even with the offensive explosion from the Islanders at the end, that was a 1-1 game deep into that game. Uh, the, the Hurricanes have won those types of series for the last several years. I think they'll probably win this one, too. The only wrinkle is that they're starting to really lose uh, a lot of people that can score goals, which is what you need in a, in a, in a season played to the margins like this. I mean, they were already without Andre Sveshnikov. They were already without Max Pacioretty. Now they lost Tavo Terabinen to a, a broken hand. Um, they're starting to kind of like lose guys that are going to be able to put the puck in the net in a tight series like that. So that gives me pause. But again, home ice advantage, their ability to win these tight games. Um, I still think I'm on the Hurricanes in the, in the totality of the series. The Bruins going up against the Panthers. Um, that curse could be in full effect right now. Boston leads the series 2-1. Um, money line minus 160 for the Bruins to win today in Florida. The over-under is at 6. How does this game play out? I'd be really shocked that the Panthers won this game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that they had their opportunity to, uh, to, to to really put some pressure on Boston in game three. The Bruins without Patrice first round, without David Krejci, two, their top two centers, and, and they couldn't seal the deal. They gave up the lead early to Boston, and then the Bruins kind of, uh, you know, almost cruised the victory without with a little bit of a, of a bump in the third period. So I, I've, I've lost my confidence that the – President's Trophy curse will strike in this series in particular. I think I think the Bruins are going to go back to Boston up three one. Um, the Stars in the Wild. I know when this series began, especially Game One, you and I were both on the Stars. Again, Minnesota up on this series two one. Uh, Minnesota on the money line right now, favored today at minus one fifteen. The over under is five and a half. What say you? Uh, I'm taking the stars in this game. Uh, I, I feel like this is going to be a back-and-forth series all the way through. 
again, you know, when you and I were both very heavy on the stars at the start of the series, it was when they were at full capacity and famously they lost center Joe Pavelski, their top line center, the guy that really makes their uh, incredible scoring line with Rupert Henson, and Jason Robertson so dangerous, uh, a very vital part of their power play. Lost him to injury on a hit by Matt Dumba in game one, changed the complexion of the series. They're still going to have to figure out how to get past this Gustafson kid in goal, um, who's played really well for the Wild. But I, I think I think Dallas responds to their deep three loss, and we head back to uh, Big D with a best of three series uh, between two very evenly matched teams. And the stars to win the series you can get right now at plus one sixty five. I might throw some coin on that, Greg. I might do it too. Again, it's it's tough. I think the momentum right now is with the Wild, and and, and they're really missing Pavelski. Don't even know if he's going to be back this series. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think Dallas overall is still the better team. Uh, but this game is going to go a long way to us figuring out how the rest of the series is going to go. Last but not least, the Oilers going against the Kings. Kings up on the series right now, two one. Um, Oilers favored on the money line in this matchup today. Later on tonight, nine o'clock, the puck drops at minus one sixty five. The over under is six and a half. I know you were really big on the Oilers coming in. That was a team that you feel pretty confident uh, are going to win the uh, the the Stanley Cup. Still feels compliment confident right now, Greg. Not really. Uh, the Kings have certainly played them very well. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually shocked that the, the action is that heavy on the Oilers to win this game, um, considering how, how, uh, how much L.A. has, has uh, pulled some rabbits out of their hat at key times in the series. The, the thing about Edmonton right now for me is they can feel very confident about the ways they've played for the most part in this series, five on five. They've, they've done well. I think that they, their game is, is, is rounding into playoff form. The problem is, is that, you know, they've, they've now lost two really, really close games to the Kings. And the other problem is that they can't seem to get both Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid going at the same time. Dreisaitl carried them in games one and two. It was the McDavid show in game three. Maybe, maybe the betting market is saying uh, both of those pillars get rolling uh, in game four at the same time. Uh, again, I, I still I thought it would be in six. Maybe it needs to be in seven, the way this is trending. Uh, but them if uh, their game hasn't looked as good as it's looked in the series against LA, where I, I clearly think Edmonton has been the better team and it probably deserves to be up 2-1 at this point. Uh, you could bet that uh, Edmonton will win the series at minus 120. Minus 120. I think I'm going to put some coin on that as well. Yeah, they're they're killing my parlay because uh, I had them <laughs> minus a game and a half. I'm, I'm less confident they're going to win four straight. Uh, but I remain confident they're going to win the series. Great stuff as always, Greg. I so appreciate your time. I know you're one of the busiest men right now at ESPN, and we so appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday fun day. You're, you're awesome, Nita. Thank you so much. If I, and and uh, hopefully I see Tony at the uh, UPS today for the Islanders game. Take care. Perfect, perfect. Look for Greg Wyshynski for sure, uh, a.k.a. the Puck Daddy. Kicking butt and taking names on a multitude of platforms at ESPN. Uh, we come back, we'll take your calls, 800-919-3776. Artie wants to be first up when it comes to uh, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he wants to talk about the Jets. Also, I will play that clip for you. Uh, Rich Samini was kind enough to join me on my digital bet show earlier this week talking about 
the probability, what, how this whole Aaron Rodgers trade is going to go down and, and what the Jets potentially are going to do in the draft. We'll play that for you when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Some NHL futures with Greg Wyshynski. Time to start paying attention to what's going to happen this week. Big week. What a great time in sport, right? Uh, Big week this week in regard to the NFL draft. Uh, Round one is on Thursday. Round two on Friday. That's when I think the magic can happen for at least Jets fans. And um, and then, of course, the remaining rounds on Saturday. And we have it all for you. Earlier this week, I host a, uh, a, a bet gambling show on ESPN Plus digital platform. And Rich Samini, who covers the Jets, was kind enough to jump on board with me to talk about what's the latest with Aaron Rodgers, what we can expect from the Jets uh, pertaining to their, uh, their draft strategy. But prior to talking to Rich, Rob Domofsky, who covers the Green Bay Packers, uh, had um, some nuggets to share with us as well. Let's listen in. Anita, the only thing that's changed is we're closer to draft weekend, which means the urgency to get a deal done is getting greater. However, that doesn't mean it'll happen before the draft. In fact, here's a scenario to consider. Next Thursday's first round could come and go without a deal being done. That's because Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst has publicly stated that he's not looking for the Jets' first round pick this year, which is number 13 overall. So perhaps the two sides will work on the first round and let that come and go and start to ramp things back up on Friday before the second round. Considering that second round picks are most likely to be involved in this, that would be about the last time that they could get a deal done before this draft. If it doesn't get done by then, then there's the very real possibility that this could go well into the summer, which is something that both sides would like to avoid. As for the Packers, another sign that life has moved on without Rodgers happened on Monday when Jordan Love, the quarterback in waiting, walked through the doors at Lambeau Field as their starting quarterback to begin the offseason program. Wow. Um, Wow. What more can I say? Wow. I wasn't expecting that report, Rich. Rich Zemini joining us. Uh, who, of course, does a phenomenal job covering the Jets. And you just heard what Rob had to say. It's been over a month now, Rich. We heard Aaron Rodgers uh, say on, you know, his weekly show, I want to be a Jet. It's either Jet or retire. So the Jets know he wants to be a Jet. We know the intricacies going back and forth between the two organizations. But where it stands right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerning is it to you that this deal has not gotten done? Anita, a one. It's not concerning at all because you could see this coming from a mile away. 
you know, how things go in the NFL in a lot of walks of life and a lot of different businesses. Things are deadline motivated. And really, there has not been a deadline over the last four weeks. So the teams have been slow playing it. Neither side wants to show their hand. But the deadline, or at least the soft deadline, is the draft, like Rob explained. So I could totally see something happening on the afternoon of day two of the draft before they start picking again on Friday night, the Jets and Packers coming to an agreement. It's possible even that they go on the clock. Now, if they go on the clock in the second round, the Jets have the 42nd and 43rd picks, which means they'll basically own the draft for 14 consecutive minutes. If there's no trade to that point, you talk about high drama. That'll be 14 minutes in real time, seeing if this trade gets done, but I think it will get done. So oh boy, this draft is gonna be really exciting to say the least for a lot of us here in New York. All right, so this week, some big news. Odell Beckham Jr., who we know was on Aaron Rodgers' Santa Claus wish list for the Jets, did not sign with the Jets. He is now gonna be a Baltimore Raven. How does this have any effect in regard to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? From what I understand, the Jets had an opportunity to meet the Ravens' offer and they did not. What can you tell us? Yeah, the Jets made a competitive offer, but they clearly did not want to go up to 15 million guaranteed for one year. So uh, it's not going to have an impact on uh, Rodgers coming to the Jets. Now, sure, he was on the so-called wish list, but uh, they've already signed one player on his list. That's Alan Lazard, the former Packer receiver going to the Jets for four years, 44 million. Randall Cobb, Packers free agent, is still out there, of course, a long time. BFF of Rodgers. He's still out there. There's a chance the Jets could bring him in. So the Beckham thing, look, the Jets would have liked to have had him, but I think it would have been a luxury for them. They're still pretty good at wide receiver, and there's still an opportunity to either draft a receiver or, like I said, pick up a guy like Randall Cobb. And the Jets holding on to that number 13 pick. A lot of people are expecting them to take an offensive lineman at 13. There might be a run at quarterbacks. I think a top-notch corner is going to go. I think a top-notch wide receiver might go. They're sitting in a prime spot, Rich, to take a a real solid offensive lineman to protect Aaron Rodgers at 13. Do you think that's the direction they're headed? Yeah, I think that's – I'm leaning heavily in that direction. I think the Jets are looking in that direction. There's three or four really good offensive linemen who could go in the top half of this first round, and I definitely think they're on the Jets' radar. It's a position – Look, their top three tackles on the roster right now are both or all three coming off major injuries. Two of them are in the last year of their contract, so the Jets are also thinking ahead to 2024 and also thinking short-term because they want to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. That's that's priority number one for the Jets. When they get this guy in their building, they want to protect him. So if I had to bet right now, I'd say offensive line is a strong possibility at number 13. All right, Rich, before we let you go, the first question we asked you was, what's your concern level? You said 1%, so that means you're 99% confident that this deal is going to get done and Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Jets. Uh, Just recap for us, how do you see it playing out? Well, I told you a couple of weeks ago I was 99% sure, and it hasn't changed, Anita. Like, when you have two motivated parties, things tend to get done. And like I said, it's a deadline-oriented business. The Packers are a team that is known for building through the draft. They cherish draft picks. They're not going to want to let this opportunity go by, let this draft go by without getting a couple of picks. So that's why the Packers will be under pressure to get a deal done. 
and the Jets will be under pressure because they just want to get a quarterback. Now, Zach Wilson was in the building today, last year's starter for the start of their offseason program. That's what I've been told. But everybody knows, and even the Jets have said this publicly, he's not the guy they want to be their starter. They want Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to get him. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Rich, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time. Again, as you know, we're all on Rodgers' watch. This will be fun. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Anita. Again, Rob Domoski from the Green Bay Packers, Rich Samiti from the Jets. Uh, so now updated in regard to what to expect this week, let alone Thursday and Friday night. Let's go to your calls. Artie in Brooklyn, welcome in. Hey, Anita, how are you? I want to wish all the Georgias a happy name day, including my son, first of all. And then I wanted to ask you a golf question before I get to the Rodgers. Do you carry a five iron? Because I can't hit the ball in the air with this five iron. It's killing me. Yeah, I don't. I don't typically reach for my five iron. Um, I'm. I'm more. I, I. I'm more of a fairway woods player. So. Okay. Good. I put it in the garage now, so I can. So now with the Aaron Rodgers, it's. I mean, I love getting your report because now I have more of a positive. I thought that there was a possibility that this Aaron Rodgers thing wouldn't work, and I'm saying. That would be typical Jets. But now it sounds from all the reports and stuff like that, it will happen. Joe Douglas, to me, has done, okay, you can't say that he's done an A job because they haven't made the playoffs, but as far as the, the moves of trading Jamal, trading Darnold, okay, he really made really good trades. And I'm thinking he can't think about making the best possible move Right, trade, you got to get Rodgers in here, and I was willing to give up the 13th pick, but it doesn't look like that has to happen. Here's my question. Would you rather have the two number twos or the, the 13th pick? Um, I think, thanks for the phone call, Artie. I think based on the absolute need at the offensive line position, even though this is a deep offensive line uh, draft class, a lot of talent here. Uh, you want a top-notch guy on that offensive line, especially if you're trading for Aaron Rodgers and you want to keep him healthy. I think it's imperative that the Jets keep that number 13 and draft um, an offensive lineman. Just my two cents. 800-919-3776. We come back. Uh, we'll continue with your calls. And uh, and Steve Verderosa is going to join us at 11 at, at 11.45. Unfortunately, he's running a little behind. So 11.45, we have Steve Verderosa, former Giant scout, to join us on the program right here on 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Isles playoffs um, are where the action is. The only way to guarantee access to uh, to playoff tickets is to join the Isles family for the 2023-2024 season, buy a ticket package, and get first access to playoff tickets for every Isle game, home game, that is. Uh, call 888-NEW-YORK-ISLES 
or visiting newyorkislanders.com slash score. Again, that's 888-NEW-YORK-ISLES or newyorkislanders.com slash score. So make sure you do all of that. Um, Again, Anita Marks with you. Yesterday, if you were listening to the show, um, and and Tom, I know you you weren't producing the show uh, Joe was Joe and Harvey were producing the show yesterday. And so when I got off the show, I said, I'm going to go play pickleball. And, uh, and Joe was, uh, sounded a little flabbergasted. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. Do I not sound or seem like the kind of gal that would play pickleball uh, to you? You seem like somebody who would play pretty much any like new sport just to kind of see what it's about. You seem a little like flexible, like you're open to new things like the sports and stuff like that. So I, I would think that you would uh, be interested in pickleball. Absolutely. Again, Joe, just remind me, why were you so taken back? And I think you giggled, right? Was was that a, a was that a chuckle or a giggle? What did we call it? I definitely chuckled just because I didn't mm-hmm. expect that to be your Saturday afternoon plans just because mm-hmm. again I've heard a lot of people discussing pickleball but I don't know anyone personally up until you yesterday that actually plays pickleball so it was just I was taken aback cuz I know a lot of people were talking about it but I just don't know anybody who plays it which which is really insane to me because it's 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 the craze and I I really I do feel I do feel like I'm I'm 2000 and late to this pickleball party that's for sure. I mean, a few things though. Number one, uh, I'm uber busy during the NFL season. And then we immediately went into March Madness. And then you've got all these New York teams that now have made it to the postseason. So work-wise, nothing really has slowed down for me. And also weather is finally coming around, right? Like the weather is changing. So, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to go out there and play pickleball in 30 degree weather. It's just not me, this Florida gal. So, um, so yesterday, Tom, do you know people who play pickleball or do you not? Am I the only person you have in your life that play that now is has taken on pickleball? You're the first one that I know that has confirmed that they've played pickleball. Really? I'm pretty sure this Rick. Is... I'm pretty sure Rick and Dave talked about doing it at some point, if I'm not mistaken, on their morning show. I don't know if they've well, actually think, taken to that yet, though. I think Rick does play. If I if if Harvey, I think Harvey was or or Joe, you were communicating. I think Rick does play. So anyway. Um, I, I went out to the Hoboken courts here yesterday uh, around five o'clock, w- walked up like, you know, I felt like a kid again, walking onto like um, a playground, like anybody want to play with me? <laughs> and um, but I, I was very honest, like I, I've never played before. I don't even know the rules. So I sat back and I, I watched a game or two because the scoring is very the scoring is very interesting. You tell the score and then you have to dictate what server you're on because both sides of the uh the court get to serve before you hand the ball back over to your opponent. So so learning how the scoring system and then you can't step into the kitchen and 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 also, you know, you could say, "Oh, well, I play tennis, I'll be good at pickleball," but the ball comes off the 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 racket racket paddle paddle different it's a wiffle ball it's not a, a like a, a a rubber ball or anything that resembles a tennis ball so it's just a, a much different feel to it so anyway I, I want to say I played for like a good two hours yesterday and um and I did well I did well in fact and I, I got I got a lot of compliments there were there were 
people there on the court who did not believe me that this was my first time ever playing pickleball. I think that's a good sign, right? When you go and you play for the first time and you really don't know what the heck you're doing and, uh, and, and people at the court are like, no, you've played before. That's a good, right? It's a very good sign. Now, the question is, yeah. are you trying to join Brady's Major League Pickleball League at any point and going pro in pickleball? That's what I want to know from you. Can't say I'm joining anything, Tom Brady, but um, but I'm, I will say this. I'm hooked. I'm, 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 I'm hooked. Not going to lie about it. I'm hooked. And um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the, what the future holds for me in pickleball. Maybe I'm not as hooked as I am in golf. Not there yet. Um, golf is my number one love, but, um, but I had a fantastic time yesterday and, and I, I will say this, um, the pickleball community granted uh, very small sample size. Cause I just experienced yesterday for the first time. Uh, but the pickleball, um, uh, community to me seems like a really welcoming, kind, fun community. So I'm excited about it. For folks out there who are considering picking up the sport of pickleball this summer, I highly recommend you do it. Again, small sample size. I just went last night for two hours, uh, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. And so more pickleball in my future, that's for sure. Uh, When we come back, uh, we've got Steve Verderosa, who's going to be joining us. He is the former Giants scout, uh, was with the Giants, in their scouting department for over 30, 35 years. So we'll do a deep dive into a number of these players, uh, talk about what he thinks the Jets and the Giants should do, what he thinks about these quarterbacks, obviously a hot topic. And uh, and we're actually with you until 1230 today, leading into Pat O'Keefe and your your Knicks pregame show. So um, So you get us for another 45 minutes. How lucky are you? Hopefully you feel pretty lucky. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Steve Verosa joins us now. Former Giant Scout was with the uh, the league in the front office for, wow, uh, quite a while. Steve, we haven't had you on in a, in a hot second. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tim? It's a beautiful Sunday. Well, it just got beautiful here. Uh, the, the weather has been uh, from last night through the evening and into this morning. It was not nice here in the New York or New Jersey area, but the sun is coming out and it's supposed to be a beautiful afternoon. So uh, so that is great. All right. Uh, first things first, um, let's talk about the Jets since they are on the clock before the Giants. They're sitting they're sitting at 13. A lot of talk and speculation in regard to the trade that potentially we're all expecting to go down with the Green Bay Packers. They get Aaron Rodgers. They don't want to give up that first round number 13 pick because they feel that there's a solid offensive lineman that will fall to them then. Again, I'm just I'm, I'm reiterating what's being reported. Um, your, your thoughts on the offensive lineman in this draft class? Well, there's a couple of really big boys, Tennessee, Ohio State, Florida, there's some guys that are real good earth movers, and you like all those guys, especially if you want to run the football. Um, All of them need help in their pass protection and their technique, and just like the Giants saw that last year with Evan Neal um, playing in the SEC, which is the best level of college football, along with Michigan and Ohio State in in the Big Ten. Um, But all those young men have so much to learn about hand placement and feet and just the speed of the game in the NFL 
a lot of no-name guys in, in the league are have, have edge rush speed that they don't e- even see in college. So it, it's a real transition for them. So uh, the fact that there's big bodies, um, you better grab one early because, and especially if you like one, because there's not enough of them to go around there. Never was. And I was in a draft room for 33 years, and we were always in the same situation. Uh, George Young always used to say it was the march of the elephants. And um, you better get one because when you don't pick one here, there won't be one the next time you come around. So, um, to me, you always build a team from the inside out, offensive, defensive line, and uh, then you can work your way out to the other other positions. Um, so, if that if that's the way they want to go, um, I'm all for it. You know, I, I know I didn't give you specific names. Like I can name you a bunch of other guys that. Um, that I watched some tape on, but I, I don't do a deep dive like I've done in the past this year. A lot of the guys that I looked at, uh, I did two, maybe three tapes on them. So uh, a little information is dangerous. That's what I used to tell people all the time, uh, when I was in the business. So, um, there's guys that I watch and I like, and if I really like them, I'll watch more, but, um, I try to do as many as I can just to get a feel for what's going on and what will go on next week. Uh, Paris Johnson, um, offensive lineman from Ohio State. Many feel that he is the best offensive lineman in this draft. Um, but a lot of people feel that he will go before 13, uh, possibly to the Bears. Peter Skoronsky, uh, offensive lineman from Northwestern, looks like he potentially could. Yep, that he yeah, he, I, he, I, he potentially the, could still be yep. there. Well, I love the way he plays. He plays, he's old school. He plays the game like each snap is his last snap, and you love that mindset about him. Um, he's not as big or powerful as some of the other guys, but to me, I really like his technique. He, he's, he, you could use the phrase with him, he's more pro-ready. And, 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 and obviously that's going to be key because, you know, here, here's the thing, Steve, right? Like, again, we've all been on Roger's watch here for over a month now, um, anticipating <laughs> that, that – Hopefully it happens this week. I I think it, it's going to get real nervous um, for Jets fans if it doesn't happen until the second day of the draft. But what also has been reported is that the Green Bay Packers want that number one, that first round pick, that 13th overall. But there's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to play for longer than a year. So do, do you, I guess my question to you is if you were in that front office, do you feel a second round pick is worthy of an Aaron Rodgers trade, knowing that chances are you're only going to get him for one season? <laughs> Listen, if you win the Super Bowl, which you haven't won since 1968 or January of 1969, yes, it would be worth it. But to me, and, and again, we're all speculating because we're not in the room and we don't know all the parameters and we don't know all the conversations. But to me, um, the Jets have some leverage. If he's really what you want, just wait it out because the Packers have already made their stand. They're going to go with, with uh, the young man from Utah State, Love. And if he's going to be the starter, um, you're going to bring Aaron Rodgers back for his $58 million a year salary I don't, to sit on the bench. And it, it just would be a bad dynamic if, um, if he was on the team. Uh, just to, in my in my opinion, again, it's only from the outside looking in. So um, if I'm the Jets, you know, stand your ground. You know, we'll give you a second. We're not going to give you a first. Or have some kind of uh, condition. 
if we win the Super Bowl, not get there, not uh, make the playoffs, not win the division, we win the Super Bowl, it, it turns to a one. Then it's worth it, even if he only plays one year, because now you've changed the, the dynamic and the legacy of your team. Then other free agents will want to come there because it's a really good football team. So, um, but that's all fantasy football. And I never used to delve into fantasy football because I dealt in reality because that's how I made a living. It's how I paid the mortgage and put my kids through college and so on and so forth. So, um, but I wouldn't give a one, but that's me. Joe, Joe Douglas has to do what he has to do. Again, Steve Verdoso joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's turn our attention to the Giants. Um, they're drafting a little bit later um, at, uh, at 20, 20, right, 25, 26, something around there. 25. And 25, there you go. And there's two position groups that many feel that the Giants are going to roll with. Uh, number one is, is wide receiver. And number two is cornerback. Wide receiver, uh, there's some talk and, special, spe- talk and speculation that the Giants are high <laughs> on Zay Flowers, even though he's only 5'9 and 182. At cornerback, Dante Banks uh, from Maryland. So uh, your, your thoughts on what you think the Giants should do at 25? Well, here, here's the difference. Uh, I do have every year, and you and I have talked for a long time, I always have a favorite player in the draft. And this year I have two favorites, guys that whether it's it's your need or not, and one of them is a cornerback, um, my two favorite players in the draft, I love Joey Porter Jr. He's long. He's tall. He's tough. He's strong. Is is he silky smooth? No. But you want to play the style of defense the Giants play? He is the perfect guy in my opinion. Now, I watch more than two tape on him. I love him. Right? Do they all have flaws? They all have flaws. But he has too many of the things that you look for, uh, the tenacity, the, the, the competitiveness in him, everything about him. He's strong tackler. He can set the edge. Um, he's fearless. I just like big guys at every position. And... He's a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound corner with long arms and a little nasty to him. What more could you want? You probably wouldn't be there at twenty five. I've seen every mock draft. He's going to the Washington Club, so um, who knows? But I, I love him, and I love the tight end at Notre Dame. He reminds me so much of Heath Miller that played all those years with the Steelers from University of Virginia. Um, I hear about guys that, that you know, run 4-5 and everything, and that, that's great. But this guy is the complete Y, block on the line of scrimmage, block for the run game, catch inside, catch in traffic, uh, ball security, strong at the point, uh, both with the ball in his hands or as a blocker. Uh, I just love him. To, to me, he's the best tight end in the draft, and there's quite a few good ones in the draft. And now I know the Giants made a trade for Waller, no, um, I just and I know he's not going to be on their team, but those are my two favorite players in the draft by far. I just love those two guys. Michael Mayer is who you're talking about uh, yes. from Notre Dame. Sorry, I, I, I didn't name drop. I should have. <laughs> no, no, it's OK. Uh, he ran a four, seven, six. Uh, and and definitely one of the most all-around tight ends can do it all coming out of this year's draft. 
Uh, we have to talk about the quarterbacks because obviously that's going to be the big storyline, especially on Thursday night. Uh, a lot of people anticipating yeah. either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud to go number one overall. If you had the number one overall pick, you're sitting there, you're Frank Wright, you're the Carolina Panthers, you're going to roll with a quarterback. Who's going to be the number one quarterback you're taking? The only one I'm taking is is the, uh, is Bryce Young, and for this reason, all right, he's the only quarterback of these top guys that I watched. I watched them all on tape, and I saw Bryce Young play live. Uh, he's the only one that throws with anticipation and throws players open. The only one, and that is paramount. The two most important physical characteristics of a quarterback, all right, especially in the National Football League, is accuracy and throwing with anticipation. Look, look at first time, oh, I should say first ballot Hall of Famer to be uh, Drew Brees, 5'11", right, great accuracy, not a cannon arm, and threw with anticipation. Those other players, right, they don't throw guys open. College football is so much different than professional football. Even the field is different because the hash marks are different. So it dictates different coverages, different route combinations, and just the style of offense. And the windows, and by your listeners, the windows are the open areas that receivers have the opportunity to catch the ball and are so much bigger than they are at the NFL level. So it's easy to make throws and it's easy to complete throws and get catches on the college level compared to the National Football League. Those other quarterbacks, young man from, from Kentucky, who I don't think had a year as good as he had the year before, uh, uh, young man at uh, C.J. Stroud at, at Ohio State, and certainly uh, the athletic phenom Richardson at Florida, they don't do that. Kids got to be open before they release the football time and time and time again. How fast, how fast can they matriculate to the NFL player? The jets took, you know, we, we had our, our show a couple of years ago. I didn't like any of those guys except for Mac Jones. Cause he was the only one of the three guys open and he started as a rookie. Now his upside might not be as good as them because of his athletic limitations compared to them. But those guys haven't played. I just read something the other day that San Francisco's looking for trade partners for Trey Lance. Are you kidding me? All that draft capital that you uh, used to get him to move up for a player that played one game the previous year? Wow. So as far as quarterbacks go, Anthony Richardson, unbelievable big, cannon arm. You're playing with the University of Florida talent, which is abundant. You go six and seven. Tape doesn't lie. What I see on tape, got a long, long, long way to go. Uh, Steve has a book out, so you want to be an NFL scout. Um, It's an excellent book. It's great reading material. Um, also a great gift for whether it's for your husband, your, uh, your brother, your father, whatever the case may be. Um, so a few things, number one, let's end on this. I actually had somebody who sent me a tweet. Uh, they want to know, uh, what was the one player that you absolutely, you know, just crushed it on and hit it out of the ballpark. What was the one player that you swung and missed and was your worst, 
uh, analysis in regard to a player <laughs> and also share with the folks how they can get your book, Steve. All right. Well, yes, I'm, I am blown away because the pre-sale on the book, which has been about three weeks, the publisher told me we've, we've already sold almost a thousand books. Um, books available uh, April 25th on Tuesday um, on, through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, if I tell you the two players, they don't have to buy the book because they're in there. I talk about – listen – Jesse Armstead is one of my all-time favorite players and my favorite five, if you want to call it a find. Um, it was the last year of an eight-round eight draft. And um, Dan Reeves, uh, I, I got up in the room and made my pitch, and that's who we took. And I'm so happy it turned out that way because Jesse was a phenomenal player for us. And if I have to pick one bust that I was wrong on and we were wrong on as a team <laughs> – do I really have to go there? <laughs> yeah, now I'm curious. Um, uh, uh, well, listen, you said you read the book. I, it's it's uh, uh, We took Derek Brown, tight end from Notre Dame, that to me I, I just thought he was a can't miss. And um, uh, unfortunately he had a very underwhelming uh, nine-year career in the National Football League. Uh, and, and listen, the game is played by humans coached, scouted, officiated by humans. None of us like to be wrong, and, um, but we're human and, and we're fallible. And you know, what you try to do is learn from, you know, why did I miss on that guy? And sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes players go to the wrong places. Look at Steve Young. You know, he was, he was after the USFL, he went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he was an absolute disaster there. Now he's in the Hall of Fame. So... Um, sometimes it's your, your opportunity and the place that you land. And uh, Derek was a, a, a fine person, big, strong, could catch, but um, wrong place at the wrong time for the New York football Giants. Again, so you want to be an NFL scout. Steve Verderosa, his book that's out right now, as I like to say, Run, Don't Walk. Steve, thank you so much. Always great having you on, my friend. You too. Listen, have a great week. And I will talk to you probably Thursday before the draft starts. Absolutely. Absolutely. We get back. We'll continue with the show, getting you ready for your Knicks and Cavs game four here on 98.7 ESPN.